0: Welcome to Coach's Corner with your host, Ryan Watson nope, and Jonathan Gordon.
1: I, I'm just letting you know I'm going to hate it. You're going to hate it? Yeah.
2: All right, here we go now. Get behind that line. We're going to do it right. Do it right. Do it light. Let's go. All
0: right, welcome back to Coach's Corner with your host, Ryan Watson. Find me on Twitter at Ryan on Broadway and Jonathan Gordon on Twitter at JB on Broad. Our podcast is only on Broadway Sports at broadwaysportsmedia.com.
1: And with a premium membership at broadwaysportsmedia.com, you'll get access to all of our great podcasts like The Home Run Throwback, Football and Other F-Words, and The Flex for great fantasy content, as well as film breakdowns, including film sessions with players, and articles written by some of your favorites like John Glennon and Mike Herndon. So head over to broadwaysportsmedia.com and find out more. Let's go. All right, welcome to this special edition of Coach's Corner. We've got a very
0: special guest with us tonight, Jason Spray. I want to say thank you so much for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it.
2: Man, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, I've never used this platform before, so it's pretty cool, man. You're teaching me something already.
0: Yeah, this is the this is the way now. You just got to have to have all this video chat stuff and be able to be be fluid, I guess, and, and be able to adapt <laughs> nowadays.
2: I mean, I just figured out how to work FaceTime, and now look at this. Huh?
1: <laughs> we're, on, we're on the cutting edge here. Moving up Let's in the see, world. man. Thank you. Moving up in the world for sure. So,
0: yeah. So, like I said, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. I wanted to kind of give a little back, background into what's going on with you these days and kind of lead into it. But I want to start, uh, you know, local guy, started out with Oakland High School. I had a real quick question right off the bat. What position did you play in high school?
2: So, in high school, I was actually a D lineman. I oh. was about 300 pounds uh, when I graduated. Um, you know, I'm only 5'10". Uh, you know, I could run, I could jump. I was athletic, but you know, there's not a lot of five, 10, 300 pound D lineman and, you know, division one college football. So, um, I went the junior college route, uh, for a semester, uh, just to get my grades up. Uh, actually lost a hundred pounds in one calendar year. Um, you know, went to Tennessee state and ended up becoming a fullback.
0: Nice. So, and then when you got to MTSU, I, I was, I knew you'd become a fullback at some point in MTSU. I think that yeah. you had, you had started off on a prop 48. Was that at the junior college or is that at MTSU? Uh, so, you
2: know, I, I chose, I was going to do the junior college route. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was going to do the two years, the whole shebang. Right. Um, I, I drove down to, uh, I'm not going to throw the school out, but I drove down to a <laughs> Jugo in Mississippi. <laughs> and I was just, I mean, I, told, I was like, mom, this is a straight meat market. Like, this is awful. And, uh, so I, I reached out to one of the assistants who was recruiting me at middle Tennessee. I said, man, I would love to take the prop 48 route. Um, you know, for those who don't know prop 48, I don't even know if it's a thing anymore. Um, but it was a blessing for me and for a lot of other guys. Um, but you know, you have to set out one calendar a year. Mm-hmm. All you can do is work out, but you can't get gear. You can't work out with the other, t- uh, with the guys that are actually eligible. You can only work out with other prop 48 guys. Typically, you'd work out during practice, and then at the end of that year, uh, you know, you would go into practice like normal. Um, and then, if you graduated on time, you would actually receive that year back. So that's awesome. I, 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 yeah, man. I mean, I was taking eighteen hours a semester. If that tells you what I was doing to get, I graduated on time.
0: Yeah, you didn't want to throw anybody on the bus, but just uh, did they have a Netflix show in Mississippi? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, but uh, they did. They, uh, you know, they. Bro, it, it wasn't very far, very far off from what you saw on the uh, Netflix show.
0: Oh yeah, I got a lot of guys I used to coach with that are actually working for a lot of those down there. Not to not to throw any names out there, but I see their posts on social media and stuff all the time. It's a crazy world, but they're they're like you said that meat market. I've never heard anybody say that outside of that that Netflix show. That that is to a T, man. That's great.
2: Did you get <laughs> I mean, some? Uh... I, would, I mean I got down there and I'm like, what have I gotten into?
1: Yeah, did you get some vindication through the Netflix show? You sit there and say, yeah, I made the right decision.
2: <laughs> yeah, man. I was like, bro, I could go to a four-year university, set out for a year, get my academics right. So I actually had to go to Motlow for a semester just to even get into MTSU. Hmm. So, I mean, it was tough, man, but, you know, it was all worth it.
0: Well, there's something to be said about seeing what you want and then going after it, because I think that I've met a lot of, of young men in my days that, that they, they would say they wanted something but then wouldn't do – the necessary right. steps. So I'd always like to hear about success stories who actually took that extra effort and, and went and did that. So, but um, you were a fullback in college. And I had a question just from my past real quick, because I, I was a pulling guard in a mm-hmm. in a pro style offense. And I got really close with my fullbacks because, we had to pull assignments together. We had our floating assignments as far as blocking for the pass game. So we had to know each other's stuff or we were going to get yeah. chewed out. But I always want to ask fullbacks, were you a, were you more of an H-back athletic guy in the cafeteria room sitting with those guys or did you, did you eat with the hogs and, 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 and be down in the dirt with us?
2: Well, after I lost 100 pounds, I I thought I would try to go eat with the skill guys, right? But heck, they ain't worse than the linemen, man. They just just don't consume as much. That's all. It's really a quantity thing, right? The big guys eat bad in a lot of it, but the the skill guys, they eat awful, man, just not as much. Right. But you know what? There's a saying. When you're done playing, the bigs normally get small and the skills get big. Uh, I'm waiting for that to happen. (laughs) But I don't know. I, you know what, man? I enjoyed everybody, man. I just tried to sit around with everybody. And, you know, I, I loved my linemen. I loved my running backs. And, I mean, there was guys on defense that I liked. I just – I don't know, man. I just enjoyed everybody.
0: Yeah, you seem like a real people person, and that's a, that's a good trait to have, especially in your line of work, for sure.
2: Well, you know, I, I mean, I had good running backs behind so they made me look good at times. And, then, <laughs> you know, I, I know I needed those those big guys in front of me to – because, I mean, I was only, again, a 5'10", 230-ish pounds – you know, and, and we were a multi-set offense under Larry Fedora. So, I mean, there was a lot of kickouts and I mean, I was kicking out guys that weighed at least 50 pounds more than me sometimes, you know, oh yeah, I mean, dude, there was even designs where I would have to like, it was a counter and I would have to chop block. I mean, a D tackle that was sitting in there weighing, you know, 300 plus pounds. So, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, even when I won, I lost. That's what I always (laughs) tell everybody.
0: Yeah, you just got to get in the way sometimes. Yeah,
1: that's it, man. That's you just one of those. Take it. You just got to eat it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those. I saw. You know, you you play fullback, and I, I have to wonder: Did you know you wanted to be a strength conditioning coach when you? Because when you see fullback, it's like that just makes <laughs> sense. Like, of course, that's the strength conditioning coach.
2: Oh, you're a meathead, no doubt. I mean, you know the the fullback, middle linebacker guys typically meatheads. You love to work out. You love the strength coach. I mean, after workouts, I mean, I used to sit in there and. I talked to Rob Rogers, who was our strength coach and Matt Riley, and I would question them and ask things, not like being defiant. I just wanted to know. Yeah. Um, you know, I just enjoyed it. I, I've always enjoyed the camaraderie of summer workouts. You know, um, I didn't so much enjoy the the two-a-days and, you know, the, three, <laughs> the, the three-a-days um, that, you know, you would see in the late 90s, early 2000s. But, um, I mean, I just enjoyed being – I just enjoyed the, the environment. You know, I just did. And I, I even enjoyed it as a coach, you know, when it's just you and the players – and none of, none of the position coaches around, like, I always enjoyed that.
1: Yeah, and that's actually a good transition into kind of one of the questions I wanted to ask you. I think one, as we kind of got away from the game itself, uh, one of the things that we missed was that camaraderie. So, as you've kind of moved away from MTSU, uh, I think you're now at Middle Tennessee Christian, correct? Right. Yeah. Is that something that you still feel like you have a piece of? Still being in those locker rooms? It's obviously a different demographic of guys there. But that—that uh, that was probably the biggest thing that I miss from being a coach and being involved.
2: You know what was funny was uh, even when I, you know, when I started as a GA. So my my career ended to a knee injury. So I did all that academic work. To get my year of eligibility back, and then I dislocate my knee with three games left in the junior year. Oh no! Um, I know, and and just I mean it was bad, man. And I just you know I just I couldn't pass the physical, but you know, um, you know, I went to be a GA, and even my whole time as an assistant, I always felt awkward being in the coach's locker room after a game getting dressed. I just preferred to be with the players. I, I don't know why. Um, I just felt always like that was my place to be. So. Uh yeah, I do miss it. I, you know, no doubt about it. I do miss it. Um it is different where I'm at now compared to being in college. Um it's a lot more tame is, <laughs> is a nice way to say it. Um, you know, and I have to make sure I catch myself at times. But uh yes, to your point, I do miss and it's hard with football because you can't just go out in the you know, in the parking lot and play. You know, like organized football, you just can't go play that. You know, guys can play basketball players can go play pickup. Baseball guys can go and you know kind of do their thing sometimes, but football you just can't you just can't um, duplicate it.
0: No, not 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 the tackle away with pads and everything. You just don't have that no. access to that equipment at the very least, let alone the organization. So something you mentioned there. That, and at
2: this age, would you want to duplicate it? No, heck, no. I,
0: I played in a I played in a semi pro league. When I say semi pro, that means I got to, I paid for the for the pleasure of of suiting up with them <laughs> here in this area. And I played for a season, and they asked me back the next year, and I said hey, ain't no way. No, <laughs> and I, man. And I wasn't no my way. age now, so yeah. Something you touched on there that I wanted to come back to, because I remember my experiences when I first started coaching in college is I kind of the same way. I went from being a uh, starter on the offensive line to a student coach and then to a first-year position coach. I didn't have a tough time with my student coach year because I was still figuring out if I wanted to coach, and I really fell in love with it that year. But I was with my closest friends, and they all treated me with respect because it was a deal I made with them at the beginning of the season. But then I went to go on to – uh, coach receivers and I really was out of my element a little bit you know big guy teaching receivers how to run routes and catch you know you know do as I say not as I do for sure but right. I was wondering like as a, as a GA working in through that strength uh, program if you had any kind of issue finding your voice or how was that process of being able to do, tell guys that you just got done playing with and playing around tell them what to do and, and how to go about that.
2: You know, I think a lot of the guys respected me. Um, you know, Andy McCullum, the guy, my head coach, that gave me an opportunity. You know, we had a conversation, and the conversation was, "It's time to separate the friendships just a little bit. You have to step aside. You, you can't go to the first with these guys. You know, you got to make sure you separate yourself a little bit if you want to be a good coach. You got to start now. And you know, I I think the guys that was there respected me." Um, but you know, what I did was I tried to make sure I put myself in authority role more so with the younger ones and let the head coach and the assistants in the weight room kind of handle the older guys that I just played with. And, you know, uh, the, the, strength coach at the time, he, he allowed me to be in charge of the prop forty eights, And I thought that was a good transition area for me because they didn't know me as a player and, you know, the, the kids coming in as freshmen, they didn't know me. So that's where I tried to spend more of my time. And I'll be honest with you, I I've always coached the same, but I didn't try to overstep a boundary, especially in those first couple of years. I tried to make sure to smooth things out, just you know, be efficient a fish, efficient a on the floor, tell them what they needed to know. But I again I didn't try to put myself into a confrontational point that, that that's not my spot right now as a GA. Right. Um, you know, as Older, I, did, I became more of an authority voice, I yeah. guess you could say.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of what I was wondering because over the, over the next couple of years, I found my voice too, and I'm always interested to hear that take. If it was like that for everybody, you just kind yeah. of your way, and I think that's a great thing. them putting you with the Prop 48s because again, you could speak from a level of experience because you lived that life coming in and, and help them through that to understand. So that was that was pretty good for them. A good decision there,
2: dude. That, I, I'm telling you, Prop 48 it's not for the weak. It, it was rough. Um, you know, the study hall. I mean you had to study all 5 nights a week. Um I think it was 2 hours a night I believe and I mean you had to you had to show the tutors that your work was done. Um it was tough man. I mean it, it but it made me grow up. I I'm, I have, I am forever thankful for that um, because if I wouldn't have went that route I don't know if it would have made me mature um, as fast.
0: Yeah, well, you did you did something right there at, at MTSU because you were there for so long uh, until 2017 as the head strength coach, winning the NSCA National Strength Coach of the Year. And I've got to know, like, describe that feeling uh, that you were able to get that type of recognition at, I don't want to say a smaller school, because around here, I, th- I think of MTSU as a, big, a bigger school, but a smaller school compared to some of the other coaches that are probably up for that award across
2: the nation. Yeah, I mean I was surprised when I got the phone call um, that I was a finalist and we did kind of like an interview like this and you know I don't remember the platform at the time but we did it was kind of it was an it was an interview and um, you know I just tried to make sure I, I put my best foot forward but the thing was that at that time I was the head basketball strength coach and I was the assistant football strength coach oh, okay. so again you know and our basketball team was excelling and I mean we're knocking off power 5s left and right and, you know, that Kermit Davis gave me that opportunity. Now you want to talk about, I'm 5'10", an old fullback, <laughs> but you know what, man? I just, I didn't train the guys like a meathead. You know, I understand, you know, functionality and, uh, you know, I, I knew how to talk coach. Yeah. I could go in and talk with Coach Davis and, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't try to force pipelines and back squatting down these kids' throats and down his throat and. You know, I mean, we did all the unilateral training, and I, I was just able to speak coach to him. Like, I, I understand what he wanted. I understood what those kids needed. And, you know, really the basketball success is what kind of helped elevate things for me before the football thing, so.
0: Awesome.
1: So you, you've moved then in kind of into high school. I think you left MTSU kind of on your own terms there.
2: Uh, I did, and it was tough. Um, I knew, I knew early. That season, it was time for me to go. I'd been there for so long. My kids were growing up. You know, there was one instance where uh I don't know. I, I was talking to my, my my oldest son at the time. He was probably I don't know four years old, and he had some sort of activity, a t-ball game, something. And I was like, "Hey, buddy, you know, like I won't be able to show up." And he comment, "Well, that's okay. You're never there." And I was like, "Oh man, oh. you know, that kind of stung me." And you know, I'm driving to work that day, and I just remember having to get onto a guy in that first group. And I'm like, why am I trying so hard to pour into people who, you know, or into someone who doesn't care when I have someone at my house looking at me who I need, that's who I need to be pouring into. And he does care. Um, So it it was tough. I knew that that was what I was going to do. My wife, she backed it 100% and was just like, we just need to find something and, You know, a Tate Matthews, big shout out to him. You know, he gave me a sales job for a couple months. I was just trying to figure out, I didn't know what I was going to do. Yeah. But yeah, it just, I just, I just knew it was time for a change. I did. And, you know, I love Coach Stock. I mean, he was great. I mean, he, you know, offered to try to work with me a little bit on my schedule. But to me, it was not fair. Mm -hmm. How can I miss things when there's other coaches in that room that they're going to have to pick up the slack when I step out?
1: Yeah, I feel and like to me
2: as being a team player, I I can't swallow that. I just couldn't do
1: that. Yeah, I feel like that's a pretty common reason for getting out. This it's a hard industry to be in because I know that Ryan, myself, that we had very similar reasons. You know, we had have, have young kids and it's to do it right and I mean you're yeah. not doing th- the way the way you came up, you're not doing things the easy way. So yeah. and if you're trying to right. do it right, you know it takes that kind of time and it's either you're doing both half ass. Or you're right. actually committing to something?
0: Yeah, I saw a lot of divorces while I was coaching, yeah. and I I, uh, I like my wife, and I think she likes me. I like to keep her around, so I made a decision a few you know a few years ago that I was going to make a run at that. So <laughs> that was and that speaks to me for how sure. How many
2: times? And to that point, and then how many times have you heard a coach, you know, an older coach say, "If I could go back and do anything again, I would spend more time with my kids." Uh,
0: how uh, many yes. times have you heard that? Seventy five percent at least. At least of the ones are being honest with me,
2: right? I would say. And, and I just didn't want, you know, it's like an old saying, you know, and my grandfather, who was like my dad, he passed within that last year or two of me being a coach. And there was days that, you know, I would kind of drive by his neighborhood going to work, and I just didn't have time to stop by. and wish I would have stopped by. And there was a lot, a lot of factors that just messed with me. I, I remember a couple things, just little things he said to me there before he passed was just, you know, one thing he said, just remember, you know, you're living in the good old days. Don't let them slide by. And then – and he also made a comment that the days are long, but the years are short. Oh yeah! And don't look up one day and everything passed you by. And that's that. Those those things just set in my mind, and just you know, it was just time for a change.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and now it appears that you're just from the little things I've read online and and going through your Twitter, which is a as for anyone out there listening to this, I recommend going following uh, Jason on Twitter. It is it is a great. Uh, Peel through the, the the pages there, and the one thing I pick up is that you've got a really good relationship with your kids too, and it seemed to yeah. factor a lot into your decision to go to Middle Tennessee Christian School, so that you could a. And this was a big for me w- with some of the job decisions i made in my past would be able to pick my kids up, uh, see them in the evenings for more than just 30 minutes before bedtime, that kind of stuff. And more importantly, you know, if they're going to be involved in sports, you want to be involved with it, being able to take them to those practices, work with them, especially with your background. And it's, it's real, I gotta be honest. I really love the post about your son wanting to be Bo Jackson in the baseball. <laughs> That's some great stuff. Yeah. Watching his highlights. He's, That's he's a, he's a, he's a stud, Bo man.
2: Jackson, man. That was my childhood hero. Oh, and like, for he sure. Yeah, he sees, like, the pictures and the posters I have and the baseball cards, and, I mean, he's just like, wow, that guy's big, and, you know. <laughs> I'm like, dude, he's probably the best athlete of all time in the history
1: of Earth. Like, when God made an athlete, he made both. Yeah, that's that's a superhero for, in, in his mind. Oh,
0: it was a superhero for kids in the 80s and, and for yeah. me growing up because I think – I, just, I think we're about the same age based on the years we were in college and everything like that. So, I mean, that was a big thing that the marketing was everywhere. It's everybody wants to be Bo, and, and yeah. Bo knows everything. And, you know, I just I remember those commercials and really thinking that Bo could play hockey, Bo could do this, because watching no him doubt. do one sport, you yeah. thought this man was invincible, and I just couldn't believe what happened there. And it just It's kind of cool to see that transcend into this, this era right now with young kids. You can just see a picture and see the highlights
2: and go, wow, that's an athlete. Because at the end of the day, fast is still fast, right? right. Big is still big and explosive is, is is still explosive. And I mean, when you you just know it and you have to like appreciate it, you know?
0: And that's why I'm in awe with Derrick Henry. Something I'm not saying Derrick Henry's Bo Jackson. Everybody wants to call me out yeah. there, but I'm saying that you see someone who's that big can move that fast, you're definitely going, that's impressive because that's not normal.
2: <laughs> Dude, he is a massive man. I remember the first time I ever saw him, I was at Middle Tennessee. It was Kevin Byard Sr and we play Alabama, I think, game one. Yeah. And I thought that maybe him and Scarborough, or maybe Scarborough was a red shirt freshman that year. And I remember seeing Derrick Henry. I, I just assumed that that was the D-line over there walking around, just kind of, you know, milling around before warm-ups. And when he picked up, shoulder pads and put them on I said oh my god that's Derrick Henry <laughs> you know and in and middle Tennessee like you know your linebackers are 220 I mean they're between 510 and six foot and I mean he's bigger than any D lineman we had I mean he was just a monster of a man and when he sticks his foot in the ground and accelerates I mean he's something special to your
0: point. Yeah. So maybe the, the kids nowadays can look at their Henry, not quite like Bo Jackson, maybe because it's not a multi-sport, yeah. but maybe have something to be in awe of there. So, and that, that kind of leads me in. Cause I know that you work with, it seems like you work with your son quite a bit. I had a question just because I've got, we both got young kids, Jonathan and I do. And, and my daughter's eight and she wants to be like her mom. She wants to be a basketball player and you were trying to work with her, but just like, do you have a, any kind of an approach with, you know, that the, the common every parent can take with their kids as far as a recommendation or how you go about trainings. And cause I know you don't, I've always heard that old tale. You don't want to get too much too early for, for, for developmental right. reasons, but just what, what is your advice there for a parent who's looking
2: for that kind of stuff? You know, I, the biggest thing is just have them active, let them play sports, you know, get them in as much as you can. Don't, uh, don't try to get like too, don't, don't specify, don't, try, don't get too sports specific too early. Like don't just play baseball and that's all you do. You know, go out, play basketball, play soccer, play, you know, football. Or even if it's flag, just try to make sure they're active. Get them out get them moving. Um, you know, and as far as the training goes, man, like sprint, jump, bodyweight exercises, you know, sit-ups, bodyweight squats. Teach them how to lunge, push-ups. You know, TRX straps are, I mean, they're amazing. They're not that expensive. And you can hook them anywhere. You know, so I, honestly, with the kit, medicine balls, I just try to do things and just – very basic patterns and just try to do things to duplicate some of the sports they play and just try to, so they can see it and see where, how, you know, like the the med ball slams and the med ball, you know, twist tosses. Like my youngest one understands that helps my swing. Right. Dad. Yeah. It helps your swing, you know? And I mean, they, we just try to have fun with it. It's not overly complicated. You know, we'll run with parachutes. Like we did some outside today, up the sidewalk in the neighborhood.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
2: You know? Yeah. I mean, we just try to get out and have fun with it, you know? And it's, I mean, we're not trying to overcomplicate anything. I bought like a little small training bar and, you know, a broomstick and teach them how to squat, but we're not going to load that stuff for a while. I'm not worried about it. You know, just, I just want them to teach it, just teach it to them, let them learn it and have fun with it.
0: I think that's important. I think what you said there is the most important thing. And thing I've got to keep remembering too, is you've got to make this stuff fun. Otherwise people aren't going to want to do it, especially
2: at a young age. So they're not little, they're not small adults. We, I do that all the time. I look at them sometimes, you think, ah, oh, they're just a little adult. No, man, they're six. They're nine. You know, they're they're kids. Right. I mean, I wouldn't lift any weights at six or nine years old. I was out <laughs> in the backyard just picking up rocks and trying to hit it with a bat and you know, acting like I was Bo Jackson, right? Right, so, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, just have fun, man.
0: For sure. And and that's definitely um the way to be. I just got to keep remembering that for me to make it fun for my daughter, so she doesn't get burned out. Because I think I got burned out at some point, and hopefully avoid that. But I, I'm interested to know. I know John's got a lot of questions for you too about your current, a little more in depth about how you approach your workouts now and your philosophy. So I'll let him kind of go through. I know he's been he's been chomping at the bit to ask a workout related question over there.
1: Oh no, I don't want to get too go too hard too early here. But, uh, <laughs> no, uh, you're good. You're now, good. So um, it, you kind of talked about. I'll stay on the same topic of kind of training kids there. Um, it, you know, you talk about getting outside, getting active. You're at a high school now. We finished up our careers at a high school. In today's – you talk about whenever you were a kid, you know, you went outside and you played. today's day and age, it's those phones, man, are the technology, getting kids outside and getting them off their phones. What kind of how, – how do you kind of approach that? Because I found even my even my son – I have a three-year-old, and it, it's so easy to find that technology. And luck, lucky for me, I have a gym at my house that was – that was really the selling point. Don't tell my <laughs> wife. That's the only reason I bought the house. Um, was so he want he wants to do some of that stuff. But if you don't have those things, like how do you approach that?
2: Well, I mean, w- the first thing we did was we made sure to put a basketball goal in the driveway. Uh, we bought one of those little pop up base nets. You know that everybody has. You can hit into it. Whatever. I mean, that thing stays in the backyard. Um, and you know, if it's bad weather, if it's cold, we can always pull it inside in the garage if we want to. Um, but just things like that. We have wiffle balls everywhere. We have Frisbees outside. I mean, we just have like literally we raise our kids like it's 1980 something. They're nice. allowed to get on the, the, the PlayStation like, you know, in the, like in the, like right now they can hop on in the morning when they first wake up. Um, but once we kind of get moving, that's it. You know, like they'll set their alarm and get up and play early before I go to work when or, you know, if I take them with me to go train some guys. Um, and then at nighttime, we really don't let them play that much. I mean, they can, they can watch some TV after dinner, but during the day, I mean, we kick them out of the house. I mean, they go in the backyard and like, look, you're going to go outside and you're going to play for 30 minutes, go get some, you know, friends up the road, or I'll take them to sky zone or jump street or, I mean, I just, whatever, but you know, I, I try not to let them sit in front of that TV more than 30 minutes to an hour at a time, uh, it's oh. very. I mean, we're very. There's a hose pipe, get some water, go outside and play, kind of family. My wife played volleyball at MTSU, so she has athletic background. I mean, we're pretty hardcore when it comes to that kind of thing. Love it. She's yeah. a little more intense on the academic standpoint than me, but uh, <laughs> I mean, we, we we just try to get them outside and like go play horse, go knock on somebody's door, sit there and play, that and- kind of thing.
0: That academic, that's my wife too, and she handles all that homeschool and stuff right now that we're, we're maybe venturing more into. And I'm like, you got that. I'll uh, You let me know if I need to help out.
2: I dread it so bad. I'm like, don't you remember I was a prop? Don't you remember <laughs> that you knew I didn't want to do work? Like, I wasn't a prop because I was stupid. I was a prop because I was lazy in the classroom. Don't you remember this? Yeah. Oh, so then I got to relearn math, too. So yes, man. <laughs> So, I mean, God bless him. If it wasn't for women, I think every man would struggle through school. I mean, <laughs> my wife, man, she when we were dating in college, I mean, she made me do my homework. So I appreciate her.
1: That's awesome. So anybody that follows you on social media knows you see all these videos of the guys, uh, Kevin Byard's trainer. You have different, t- mostly Titans that come through, but I, I see you pick up some others here or there. Um, most of those are taking place outside, uh, but you do have some that are taking some inside workouts. So. Keeping it topical, we have COVID going on here. Has that influenced or changed any of your training style? So, you know,
2: normally with Kevin, you know, like it was in the past, it was Kevin, Logan, uh, and a couple other guys. We usually try to start up around I don't know late February, early March, you know, and we just kind of do our thing throughout the year. And the group grows um, the closer you get to OTAs because guys come in town, you know, and then after OTAs, guys disperse and then, you know, you would collect them back, you know, the closer you get to report date. Um, you know, this year, you know, we tried to follow the guidelines. So, you know, when, when the governor said no more than 10, we would not go more than 10. Um, you know, the weight room at MTCS, I designed it. So there's, you know, eight rigs. Uh, we was able to, you know, put no more than two guys in one in between that kind of thing. Um, you know, and, and I'll be honest with you, when the scare. You know, I think there was a bit of a scare when, and, and everyone had a heightened sense of what was going on when it very first started. Uh, we actually would take breaks. I mean, we just had to shut down the big group. Now, I still personally trained Kevin through a lot of that. But it was one-on-one and we kept our space. And we were out on the empty field. Nobody's out there just kind of doing our thing. Um, and as restrictions, you know, were pulled back, you know, pulled back some, we would bring more guys back into the fold. Um, so, I mean, did it change anything? What's changed is the length of this off season. It's been so long. Um, it's almost like a college off season. Um, because there's usually typically we'd have a few more breaks. Like he would go on vacation. I'd go on vacation. OTAs, you know, we would train, you know, four to five weeks. He'd go to OTAs. He'd come back for a week or two, go vacation. He'd come back for another two weeks and boom, he's in camp. This year has been just solid. I mean, 10, 12 weeks. So that's really just trying to be creative and keep guys, you know, you know, just trying to keep this train moving has been like the, the biggest challenge to be honest with you. Um, Cause we've, you know, I've wiped down facilities. I mean, heck, he set up there with me one day and we Cloroxed the place and vacuumed it out and blew it out. And I mean, we make sure it's clean because he's got small children at home. I've got small children at home um, and be honest. I kept training some of the guys that had a family at home more so than like the single guys, because you know we all understand a single man's life. It's a little more relaxed <laughs> than a guy with kids at home. So, the, you know, we, I I kept training the guys that had a family. We we tried to make sure to take care of each other. Um, but yeah, the length of the off season has been the biggest change.
1: Well, that's that's really interesting. I mean, because I uh, I think we we were doing some research. That sounds weird to say whenever we're on the interview with you. We we're just watching some videos about you. No big deal. Um, <laughs> but uh, we yeah, it's all good. Uh, you talked about doing a lot of like three week training cycles and, you know, yes. you have all these different methodologies out there when it comes to lifting, whether it's going to be conjugate method, you're going to have linear progression, you know, what the West side barbell that a lot of these operate in these eight to 12 week cycles. So did you kind of right. change it up a little bit more and kind of go to more of a traditional cycle of training or kind of just kind of talk us through what your training methodology is?
2: So typically, yeah, I don't look at it. I mean, th- there's just natural breaks, typically, right? I mean, guys are going on vacation. I don't have them for these extended periods of time like I have this year. So I didn't really just give them a day off. I've just trained the piss out of them while I had them, and when they had to go on vacation, go on vacation. And I'll see you when you come back. This year, we because we knew with the COVID, we knew there was going to be delays in what was going on. I made sure that we just kind of did like, look, man, let's go three weeks, take a week off. Three weeks, take a week off. Three weeks, take a week off. And we would peak, those, peak them at week three, take a deload week, come back and try to repeat. Um, you know, what we're trying to be, you know, now, you know, some of the guys like, you know, Emmanuel Smith, who plays with the Chiefs, I mean, he gets a call Friday night saying, hey, we need you on an airplane Saturday morning. We need you up here in Kansas City. So, you know, it's that kind of a quick turnaround. Um, you know, with the Titan guys, and, and most of these guys are going to report next week. So the last last week, this week, I'm just trying to make sure we kind of put them in a, you know, put them in a glass case. Let's make sure we have no injuries. Let's just kind of get them out there, get them sweaty, you know, get the heart rate up, work the conditioning a little bit, push some weight and just get them out of here. Is kind of my thought for last week, this week. You know, we do a ton of like, uh a ton of applied metrics throughout the off season. You know, we emphasize a lot on landing uh mechanics. Uh, You know, we do, a, we do Olympic lifts, but we're not married to any set lifting strategy. I mean, you know, I'll use, West side principles. I'll I'll use some Olympic lifting principles. You know, I, I love Mike Boyle stuff with some of the functional stuff. You know, I I just whatever. I just have a big hodgepodge toolbox that I pull from because I know what patterns I'm trying to get done. I know what they're trying to accomplish out on the field and I'll pull from that box and whatever I need to use to get it done, I just do it.
0: That's awesome to hear because, like, when I was in the '90s, and I'm sure you probably had a similar experience, it was all either the bigger, faster, stronger program or something that was this rigid set of like the coaches who were giving it to us. At least where I'm from, didn't really understand what they were teaching, so they just said, "Put as much weight as you can, do as much as you can." I saw horror stories from from guys that would, that would like we had a guy that, that fractured his back because he was five foot six. Box and- wise? Box squatting, yes. yes. <laughs> and, and I, I know, saw that one of in the interviews. I was like, "That's I, I can, I that speaks to me because I live that. I, I watched it happen. And the kid behind him wasn't, wasn't squatting. And that's when he really got. Well, not excuse me spotting him. That's when he really got hurt. And I had another kid on our team that always made me mad because he'd power clean and he dropped to his knees to catch it. And so the bar would move like a foot, and I'm like, "That's not a power clean. What do you do? I didn't think it was anyway, at least for no. form and everything. So it's good to hear like how you build all that functionality and all that stuff to pull from to, to, to adapt
2: that. So I I hate to even bring this up, but screw it, I'm gonna do it. I I, I tell you what, when my when I was an assistant, not when I became a full time assistant, I, the guy that I worked under was a really good guy, but I'm telling you, I learned a lot of what not to do during that period. And it's not about the weight on the bar. It's about you you coach, the, you coach the kid, you coach the athlete on what it looks like, not the weight on the bar. And I'm telling you, he was a big west side kind of guy. And I hate to even throw west side in on that. But, I mean, I, I just – I'm not maxing out on box squats with these guys. I'm just not because – you're putting a bar, you're going to spinal load these guys with a box underneath their butt, and they're going to bounce off of that because you know the minute you start loading it and you start trying to max it, they get competitive. Guys will cheat to get whatever they got to do to get more weight on that bar, and they will bounce their ass off that box and slingshot to get up. And I'm going to just tell you, you only have so many of those. And I saw a guy break his back in our weight room. Uh, I mean, I saw three or four pec blown, uh, uh, torn pecs during that time. Do three boards, four boards, and I'm just like, what are we doing? You know, not. I mean, just no push-up variations. Guys can do chin-ups. You know, I, I'm a big like plyometric guy. I love jumping. I love clap push-ups. You know, I love throwing med balls. And I, I just, I'm not going to be married. You know, barbell like that doesn't make you a better athlete per se. You know, at the end of the day, nobody cares how much you bench press. They just don't. Now, as a player, you do. But at the end of the day, that's not the gold standard if you can just bench 400 pounds. There's plenty of guys who can bench 400 pounds that'll get their ass shoved around all over a field. They just will, you know. And at the end of the day, you either can play or you can't. And I read something the other day. The greatest quality is availability. If you're available, that's the best thing a coach can ask for. And if you get them hurt in the weight room, that's the quickest way to get fired.
1: Yeah, I think I think I I love that saying. used all the time. The greatest ability is availability. So, yes. uh, yeah, I love it. It
0: applies, and if you can teach that, because I mean, the, the the sad or not almost say like the sad fact, but the 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 reality with a lot of especially the high school kids, they've got to realize the percentages of even making it to college, and then going from college to the pro or something. There's not a whole lot of the Kevin Byards out there. I mean, they're they're, yeah. they're just that are special athletes that are going to make that, and the percentages are not in their favor. So if they can learn these, you know, if you're at the the age when you're teaching the developmental kids at that high school age that they can have some of these availability is that it's going to stretch so much more into the corporate world and on and on that they they need to pick up those traits that's going to benefit them. And that's why I love sports and having good coaches that can, they can treat you that way.
2: Yeah, man. Like at the end of the day, hell, I love lifting weights, right? I mean, I do, but I mean, you have to build the relationships in there and there's going to be guys that they don't, I mean, just be honest, they don't like lifting weights the way you do. They don't want to train. And, you know, if you don't build a relationship with them, then you're never going to get what you need from them in the weight room. I mean, you're just not because there's going to be days it's going to be hard. I mean, you're going to run them and you're going to push them, you know, to their limit. And if they don't trust you, they'll never allow you to get to that point. So,
1: yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of interested in, you know, you're training high schoolers now, in addition to the the pros you do on the side there, um, it, it you talk about training this functional movement with with the pros. Do you, you take? This, this sounds like a dumb question. Do you train a high schooler the same way you train uh, Kevin Byer, But do well, you approach it more? It, that okay? Well, that's a, that's. Then go ahead and dive into that because I'm I'm wondering if you have to get to kind of that base level of strength before you know you have to get to this point, and then cool, we can normalize with some functional movements there.
2: I mean, yeah, you know, it's kind of like with the barbell bench press, right? I mean, with the younger guys we bar we we barbell bench press them a lot more than I do with like a Kevin Byer, you know, uh, just because as the older you get, I mean, the barbell will wreck your shoulders. I mean, I can't barbell bench anymore just because it bothers my pec. I have to dumbbell bench from now on. Right. See, I mean, we all know that because it just locks you into a fixed plane. You can't move. You can't get out of it. And It's a great mass builder and and a great, I mean, just, just, you know, strength potential builder. I, I get that. But the older the guys get, you have to find ways to make sure to get that longevity. And, you know, like, like, well, Kevin, we'll, we do either front squat or back squat. We rotate through. Um, that way he gets a little bit of everything. We'll trap bar deadlift. You know, the bilateral movements rotate in every week. You know, the unilateral stuff is a staple. The lateral lunges, I mean, if you look, I mean, it probably looks like that's all we do. But we do a ton of lateral lunges. We do a ton of single leg squats. We do a ton of skater squats, you know, just because that stuff is important. I mean, at the end of the day, Kevin Byard can play football, right? We still want to maintain the big boy lifts, but but when you're older, it's like riding a bike. I mean, that guy can hop on a bike, and he can ride it just as good as he could 10 years ago, right? So we don't have to, like, swim in that pond as much. I mean, we can just put our toe in it, hit it, get out of it. So that's that's kind of where we work. Now, with the younger kids – it, it is like riding a bike. You know, they need to load and get a barbell and get under it and learn how to, you know, work it and maneuver it. And so it, th- there's a little difference. But the thing is, the patterns are the same. That's, that's yep. the difference.
1: Yeah. So um, about, I guess, three years ago whatnot, what now, you did an interview with one of our colleagues, Justin Mello, who's a host yep. of another pod for us, Music City Audible. And he writes for our website, broadwaysports.com. And you said you didn't really do anything with the with their nutrition. Like their nutrition is what it was. And I'm curious if that kind of correlated with you were just coming out of MTSU, where the nutrition is it's a thing, but you you have generally coaches and people for that in the college program. Is that still mostly true, or are you a little more involved in their nutrition now? As far as the high schoolers, or like Kevin Byer, Kevin Byer, the Titans, the pros.
2: Those guys, they've got money, bro. They've got they have specialists for everything. <laughs> I, you know Kevin's wife. She's into. I mean, she she helps cook for him. I mean, they've got it. They. I mean, not really. They they handle that kind of stuff. Now they may ask you a question about something. You know, here and there. But as far as that goes, I mean, you're a piece of the big puzzle, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know, you're the strength guy. You know, you help get them in shape. You get them faster. You, you know, you do some of the injury prevention stuff. But he also has a yoga, right? and then he has like you know somebody helps like a life coach and then he has somebody you know like so you're just a piece of it and i've always prided myself i don't muddy the water you know i, I that's just not my place and i i just don't i just don't really get involved in
1: that are, are you are you at least uh, like aware of it? So does it like influence your training style on them at all? Like if you know, because I mean, the Titans made news with Derek Morgan and all the all the v- vegan on the vegans on the defense. Would that change how you train them, or are their body's going to react differently? Or
2: no, because there's a reason why they're in the NFL, right? They're yep. the one percent. So, I mean, half of those guys can blow on a dumbbell and they'll gain five pounds of right? <laughs> I mean, less life. Last night,
0: I look at a chip and I gained five pounds.
2: Yeah, they're the one percent, man. I mean, they're the best of the best, and there's a reason why they're there. They're twitchy, they're you know high cut, and I mean they look better than most people walking around. It just is what it is, <laughs> and that's where again, don't muddy the waters, don't overcomplicate it. You know, don't you know, don't uh, what's the old saying like the analysis by paralysis or paralysis by analysis yep. thing? You know, like don't complicate what's going on, man. Just do what you're supposed to do, you know, and get them out of there.
0: For the meatheads in the audience, it's called Keep It Simple, Stupid.
2: No doubt. I mean, that's all it is, <laughs> man. Like, you just keep it simple. Now, the high school kids, I mean, you know, we – tried to help them a little bit more now if i was in the building with the titans you know yeah we'd probably get together with the chef or whoever and you sure. know try to add some things here and there but with the high schoolers uh you know we've done some things with you know bringing in some uh, ready-made meals where the kids can get some of those and muscle milks and that kind of thing um you know we're just trying to i my biggest thing with those kids i noticed what they were eating was absolute trash yeah i mean it was <laughs> Uh, They were not getting nearly enough protein. So we've tried to make sure we're incorporating just a substantial protein source for those kids, whether it's a shake or, again, with the ready-made meals. And it really has went over well. Um, with 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 that age group,
1: so. it, it's funny where you talk about you know they're not little adults and high schoolers. I mean they kind of are little adults, but it, there's still so much of that learning that they have to do. I remember whenever I was talking or when I was coaching them, I'd have those conversations with them and and be like, "Hey, I can't gain weight." Some of these guys like, "Okay, what are you eating?" Like, "Tell tell me what you're eating in a day." And so they come back to me the next day and say, no. "Well, I had a sandwich." Okay, I need, I need a little bit more than that. Like, what, what was on the sandwich? What kind of sandwich? Is it a whole pizza, a slice of pizza kind of thing? So, yeah, there's still so much learning to do.
2: Both sides of that fence. I was I was fat in high school, right? I was 300, 300 pounds. And then I've been on the other side of it where, like, I've had to try to gain some weight back because I went from 300 to 200. And I will tell you this. When I was fat, I never ate. <laughs> when I was skinny, I ate all the time. And that's what I learned at Middle Tennessee. You know, the big guys claimed they never ate anything. Oh, coach, I'm, I'm not. I'm not eating. I don't eat anything. And then you finally get that food log, and you're like, bro, you're eating a ton. Eating, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, well, uh, I had a sleeve. I had. A, they had a sleeve of Pringles, and that's all they had all day. That and a you know Hawaiian punch. That's all they ate. And then they want to know why they're always tired and they feel like crap and, and, you know, not gaining muscle mass and whatever. So that has always been the thing. The bigs claim they never eat, but they eat all day. The skinnies claim they eat all day, but they don't. So
0: Usually it works. That's my experience too, personally and professionally.
2: I mean, when I gain weight, I start looking like, yeah, man, I've been eating pretty good today. You know, when I'm losing weight, I'm not eating nearly as much, you know.
0: So along with John's uh, 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 nutrition question, as far as following along, do you, do you follow also a player's career? And does that interfere, interfere, sorry, influence your training style at all? Like how they're doing it. Do you see things they need to work on? Do you keep up with any of that?
2: Yes. And, you know, so I, you know, I try to make sure I watch the guys I work with, especially the guys I'm heavily involved with. You know, I try to every year, you know, KB, you know, you get a year old. He's still a young man. I'm not saying he's old, but every year as a guy gets a little bit older. So you know you got to make sure that you check the pliability. Pliability leads to reliability, right, and availability. So that that's the biggest thing that I try to watch is you know when I watch on TV, do they look like they're kind of stuck in mud? You know, can they are the brakes not working? You know, because you want to and, and you want them to look bouncy, you know, smooth in and out of movements. You know, and healthy guys typically look that way. Um, and so you know, I just over the years, there's been guys I trained. I'm not saying names at all because I don't want to get in that. But <laughs> oh, come on, give, it, give us were, a sound I bite. I can tell they were aging. You can see it on TV. They just the, the trouble getting in and out of breaks, or you know, just that ply when they would come back in the off season, the ply build just wasn't quite what it once was. Um, so we try our best to uh, we try our best to keep them young as long as we can.
1: So, Jason, this has been awesome. I was going to hit you with a couple of rapid-fire questions here at the end before we wrap. If you're okay with that, let's do it. All right. So, of the athletes you have trained, if they wanted to move into some sort of competitive lifting after football, who's the most apt to it?
2: Woo! All right, we'll go, we'll go with names that you know. How about that? I, I'm fine with either. All right, well, a guy that you that you don't know, there was a guy I had at Middle Tennessee named Darius Johnson. He was an offensive lineman. Probably the strongest guy I have ever been around. I mean, kind-hearted, just good. He's just a good man. But I would see him do stuff, and I'm like, holy shit, man. This is a strong <laughs> guy. I mean, he was 300 pounds, and he had three 45-pound plates on him doing, like, sets of three on chin-ups. You know, he had – a he had 185 pound dumbbells with a mini band wrapped around him. I think I posted that on Instagram or Twitter a couple years or a couple months ago, just to like, oh man, look what I came up on my time hop. And he's just alternating dumbbell benching 185s with a mini monster behind his back. Um, I mean, just I mean, just strong. And there's a guy local that played as uh, Seagull. His name is Chase Uh He mows my lawn still. Um, but Chase, as far as lower body strength, I saw him single leg squat one time, like one fifties. And I just thought that was one of the most like amazing things I've ever saw. Uh, but Kevin Byard could easily be a CrossFit guy easily. Okay. Because he's just naturally just that in shape. He's just, yep. he's gifted and he's got, great, um, um, Yeah, dude, he could easily be a CrossFit
0: guy. So I know we said rapid fire, but you said a name that literally when I'm doing my research, I pointed out a story to Jonathan and it was Darius Johnson. I said, man, I love the bit about Darius Johnson in one of these videos where he really called out Jason's personal touch when it comes to like his, how he, how he approaches his athletes, how he would always send you, you would always send him O line specific things to help motivate him to show him what other guys were doing. And I came up while I was digging, I came across my story about him, how he rushed to help the 10 year old girl to the special Olympics to get her to an area where she get her medicine. I was like, I was like, man, Man, that that kid, that's special right there. And so when you so for me thinking I read that story that that's a special kid and then hearing you say that about him was kinda like, wow, that's 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 kinda cool, man. So yeah, I, I loved hearing about that about Darius
2: Johnson there. Man, he was just such a good dude. You know, he um his senior year, he got man, you know you try to train him the best you can, dude. Injuries happen, just yep. part of it, right? And I mean he was at Florida Atlantic and a guy got knocked I mean D Lyman got knocked into the side of his leg, broke his leg. Um, you know, and he, uh, I don't think he had surgery, you know, and he tried to rehab it back and Detroit actually brought him up and sent him home, wanted him to come back. I mean, they really liked him and you know, the leg just was never quite the same. I don't think, um, which was a shame, but man, just talking about great dude, man. I mean, he's just a great, he's just a great man. Just a good dude, but God dang, he's one of the as I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> Strong, man. That's awesome. All right. What is your biggest frustration, or if you had to, wanted to provide some clarification to people about uh, athletes and training and fitness overall, if you had to name one thing?
2: Um, I think the over-complication, overcomplicating things to make yourself look more like – it, it's overcomplicating things. Um, I think I touched on that. Just, you know, don't try to make the training process about you it's about the kid. It's about the grown man, the athlete. Um, You're just there. You're a piece of the puzzle. You're not the main event. You're not the, uh, you're not the entree. They are, you know, you're just, you're just a piece of it. And, you know, don't try to take credit for everything they do Um, because, you know, uh, their hard work and their perseverance got them to where they are. You know, you're a piece of it. Um, And I just don't like when guys overcomplicate things and try to make it about themselves.
1: All right, so most strength conditioning coaches, they, they have, like, their go-to phrases when they're in the gym. So, all right, what what's the one you catch yourself saying all the time? What's your go-to phrase?
2: <laughs> I think I say uh, – I have to listen to the videos because I always catch it. Uh, it's, it's either, like, here we go or uh, – oh, my gosh. If I, 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 if, if I was coaching you right now, I would say it <laughs> 2,000 times. I can't – love it. But I know I said, oh, what is it, man? Um, you probably got some foreign right players. Now.
0: If some four players listen to this, they they're probably screaming at the uh, at their device right now with whatever you <laughs> they hear you they hear you in their head right now.
2: I mean, I, I, it's constant. You know, when you're coaching and you're a strength coach, and especially if there's no music, you just have you have to create chatter. You know, that's a part of energy, right? I try to tell our young strength coaches that is dead silence is awkward and awful in the weight room. So you just have to make noise. You just need to talk. Like it doesn't always have to be the most productive thing, right? But in between sets, you know, while guys working, just make some chat and then go coach them, you know. Um, but man, I can't think of what it is. I, I'll end up texting you after this and telling you exactly what it is because I'll look at a video
1: and I'll be like, yep, there it goes. Perfect. <laughs> Love it. All right. So check out our social media for the answer to that one. Yeah for sure. Uh, yeah. All right, uh, I got two more for you. Any recommendations or advice for anyone starting out and looking to get into strength conditioning? All right, as far as uh, building
2: a platform for your job, I would say try to get be an intern, be a GA at, at the, the highest level you possibly can be at. Um, you know, the Alabamas, Clemson, Georgia, that kind of thing. The reason why I say that is typically in college football, it's a waterfall down the ranks. The coordinator at the Georgia, at the Alabama is going to be the head coach at the Middle Tennessee, the Marshall, you know, the La Tech, and then he springboards up. Or that head coach that was at Georgia, whatever, he water, he gets fired, he falls down to a mid-major or even to a Division II uh, school. So you need to build those relationships because either that coordinator is going to remember you and take he- – that take you with him to that mid-major or that head coach, you know, he, as he falls down the ranks, he takes his staff with him. And now that old head coach, old head strength coach remembers you being a part of that staff and he brings you along with it. So um, so I would, you know, I wish I would have done that now. uh, But, you know, I was so thankful for the opportunity and was around so many good people. And it's not always about the logo on your chest of don't let that be your self-worth. And I'm not saying that, because I learned more from high school coaches and mid-major coaches than I ever did from a guy had some big logo on his chest. Because a lot of times those guys are covered up by great athletes. It's not what they're doing; they're getting covered up by guys that are just God-gifted and have been touched by God and make them better at what they do. Then they're better at what they do than better at coaching than what they are. I've always had when I when you know when I was at Middle Tennessee, I always loved to go. And try to find out what those gritty, tough mid-major schools were doing, because I truly felt they were developing players and were spitting them out. You know, uh, I remember Troy used to. Troy University had guys, you know, in in the late '90s, early 2000s, and you know, like Demarcus Ware and some of those guys. And I mean, there was just some good training going on down there, and they were producing guys and getting them to the highest level. So, kind of a two-sided thing. Don't let a logo determine your worth, but at the same time be selfish to get yourself in the best situation. Sometimes you may need to go get at the highest level and try to ride that wave.
1: Love it. All right. Ending on a serious note here. All right. So you're you're the strength conditioning guy. You like working out. I've even seen a video where you're, you even let those guys curl some. So farm farm, no doubt once a week. So are you a medium guy on the sideline? No, I
2: never was. So a lot of guys, they, (laughs) they realize this about me, right? I am. I was very blunt, very loud. Uh, in the weight room, but at practice and at games, I was, uh, at games. I, I, I dressed the way I was supposed to dress. Now I would wear glass sunglasses at night. And if the sun was up when the game started, if we were playing well, then glasses were not coming off. Oh yeah. Uh, Oh yeah. Just from that standpoint. Um, but you know, I know I was never like the sideshow clown. So that probably is my other pet peeve is I don't like the side, the sideline clown. Um, who's trying to again make it about him i I just thought saturdays game days are for the kids you know they don't need me running around being an idiot and the head coach definitely didn't need that i mean he's trying to get guys locked in they're trying to communicate to kids plus i was in i was in charge of like you know sideline control and special teams you know getting guys on the landing pad and getting them out and counting numbers i didn't really have time to do any of that man so um i mean by the end of games i had a headache and we were just tired from counting heads and you know, if a guy got hurt or whatever and and switching them in and out on special teams. Like games, I never really got to watch like I wanted to because I was so involved with special teams.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's awesome, and, and that speaks to me about that. The First, the big logo thing is, is great advice for anyone coming out, and then, then don't make it about me. Make it about the kids. That's that's something that I think that really speaks to me. And the sunglasses at night, I can get behind that too. I'm, I think I'm guilty of that a few times in my life because you can't really break with what's working. You, you do a lot of things in coaching thinking it's going to influence more than it does, or at least you don't want to risk tempting that fate. So a lot of good stuff there, Jason, man. I really appreciate you spending the time with us and, and being here for us.
2: Hey, funny story. So right. we're playing. Memphis when you're at Memphis and they're pretty rowdy and we are not playing well and I had my glasses on and I had to yell punt, you know, punt return. I was that guy getting on the mat. So the, the the students in the crowd started calling me punt coach because I was yelling punt. Like, it seemed like three plays and out, three plays and out. And they're yelling at me about taking my glasses off. It's dark outside. Take your glasses off and they're calling me all kind of names. Well, we're not playing good. So we're going at halftime and I'm like, I'm taking these glasses off. I got to change up the mojo. We come out First punt, our guy shanks it, and they start yelling, "Hey, punt, coach! Put your glasses back on!" Crap! <laughs> I mean, it was so, but and you can't, you know, you act like you don't hear it, but I heard it, and I just remember laughing, like, dude, they're they're on me pretty good right now. So,
0: oh yeah, you got to pretend to hear those, not to hear those voices. You clearly can hear, and that's just that's rough. <laughs>
2: exactly, man.
0: I've been a part of a lot of those, where especially if they say something that's kind of half true, and you're like, oh.
2: Come on Dude, now! I, I, I miss that about college football. Was BYU was pretty rowdy, but man, I loved going to Troy, uh, Louisiana Lafayette. I mean, they were Memphis. They were so rowdy, man. Like I, 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 I do miss that. Just, just the heckling that would go on, and I mean, sometimes they was stuff, and you're just like, God, that was funny. I, I do miss that. But you know what? I miss the most. I miss going into a power five stadium where they think they're better than you. And they just paid you 800 to a million dollars, 800,000 to a million bucks. And then you spank that tail and that place is quiet. And you walk out of there with that $800,000 purse. There ain't nothing like that, man.
0: Yeah. That, I've, I love watching those games, especially because it doesn't seem like I'm a whole lot invested as a fan when I do watch those games. So it's always fun to me just to watch the, the quote unquote little guy or underdog win in those situations. So I, those, those are Fun games to be a part of, so I
2: imagine. Man, I mean, we went to Missouri, beat them. That place, it was homecoming. I mean, the place
0: was just,
2: <laughs> right, oh, end of it's dead. I mean, there. I mean, you could, We could hear the chatter on the field. It was just dead. Syracuse was that way. Georgia Tech was that way. We beat Maryland three years in a row. I mean, it was just like. And then basketball, you go into those gyms. Mm-hmm. You know, we went to L.A., beat them. We beat Ole Miss. It was just awesome how rowdy the place would be and then you can hear the old crap factor starting to kick in and then they just, they just they just the fans turn on those those uh those kids so quick man
1: all the pressure shifts
2: it shifts big in a time. hurry big time man
0: all right, this has been awesome, man. I've, I've had a lot of fun. I appreciate you coming on. I hope you've had a good time too. So we can't say how much this has meant to get to sit down and talk with you about your your philosophies, your experiences. You Sounds like we could probably talk for another hour here on just, just your experiences at these stadiums because I'd, lo- I'd love to hear more about that. Maybe on down the road we'd get you back on and we can talk specifically about what you, some crazy stuff you saw from those sidelines on the D1s and all that. That sounds like something we may be doing in the future possibly.
2: Absolutely, like the time they uh, was at Lafayette and they shoved the mascot off the front row of the uh, top of the stadiums and it was a girl.
1: Oh, Oh, no. oh no. <laughs>
2: So, yeah, and the, her, her boyfriend was Barry Hall, one of the offensive linemen who's like 6'7", 315 pounds, and he's going up toward the crowd. Like, yeah, dude, we saw all kinds of stuff.
1: Oh, man. So, Jason, why don't you throw out your social media for everybody that's listening? It
2: is uh, at Twitter and Instagram, uh, just at Jason Spray. Uh, you know, just follow along with that Facebook. I keep more for the family. Uh, I but yeah, uh, I, I try to get on Snapchat a little bit. I just, I don't know. I don't really care for it. I, I'm kind of old, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like Bill Belichick in that. With his snap face? And there you go, <laughs> whatever he said, like, yeah, man. So there's, there's
0: so many I, out there. It's hard to keep up with it.
2: Yeah. So I mostly, a, I don't get on the TikTok yet. I mean, my wife likes it. I haven't got on that. So Twitter, Instagram, I'm always on there. So yeah, please follow me. Right, so,
0: at Jason Spray, anybody out there follows. a good follow, too. Some good stuff on there. Just if you want to laugh, if you want to see some good things happening and some trainings, it's good stuff to follow. So, appreciate that. And again, thank you
2: for your time and uh, really appreciate it. Thank you guys very much. I'd love to come on anytime you want me.
0: Sure thing. Sounds good. This has been the Coach's Corner, part of the Broadway Sports Network. Remember to be sure to check out all the other podcast articles and video breakdowns that Broadway Sports has to offer at broadwaysportsmedia.com and on Twitter at BroadwayTN. Make sure you're also following your host as well, at JB on Broad for Jonathan and Ryan on Broadway for, well, me. And the show at Coaches on Broad. Make sure you hit that subscribe button before you close out the app and be sure to hit us up with a five-star review. That's it for now. Until next time, we out. See ya.